another world, another time in the age of wonder. You are listening to The Gathering Songs, The Dark Crystal Discussions. The story runs deeper than you know, and you are part of it. And what are those funny marks? This is all writing. What's writing? The words that stay. When single shines the triple sun, of your sunder and undone, shall behold the two made one. And here's your host, Philip Mitchell. Hello and welcome to The Gathering Songs. This is your Dark Crystal Discussions. I'm your host, Philip Mitchell, and just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. So, on this episode, we discuss about Shadows of the Dark Crystal, and this is our roundtable discussion, uh, part four of a five-part series um, that we did, and that was originally released as episode 38 of Trial by Stone, and was originally released on the 23rd of July... 2017 and so we're re-releasing these uh, previous episodes of trial by stone to rebrand them as the gathering songs but as moving forward we will have brand new content for the gathering songs so stay tuned so i hope you enjoy uh revisiting our discussion on shadows of the dark crystal uh part four of the, the the discussion enjoy Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone and this is episode 38 of the podcast for July 2017. Alright, this month we're going to continue discussing on the on the young adult novel by author J.M. Lee, Shadows of the Dark Crystal. Uh, we're going to continue on from chapter 18 onwards. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of exciting that we're sort of, you know, getting closer to, to um, discussing the entire book, which is, which is fantastic. And, and I mean, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll probably do many more of these um, discussions to come, you know, with the upcoming book, uh, Song of the Dark Crystal, due to be released in July. So first of all, I'll just introduce um, my co-host, uh, Bland Garrett. Hey, Bland, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing good. So with, with the show, you know, we always bring some guests on the show to to discuss about um, Shadows of the Dark Crystal. So for this month, we've got Peter M. Hello, Peter. Hello. And and of course, we've got um, Nancy Gray. Nancy Gray, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, so I guess we might as well uh, continue the discussion of Shadows of the Dark Crystal. And we'll start off with uh, Chapter um, 18. All right, so in chapter 18, um, so, I mean, the previous chapters, you know, they sort of leave, they're about to go to the Black River. Um, Uvar, Uva, the mystic, says his goodbyes to them. And then they, and then Kylan and Naya notice a figure on the, on the ridge, and uh, which we'll, we'll definitely find out who is going to be later in the story, um, just to wrap up what happened previously. So in chapter 18, um, you know, they sort of have a bit of a conversation between uh, Kyle and, to, and Naya um, that, he, that he also heard um, voices in the forest and um, asked her if, um, if her brother um, betrayed the Skeksis. And I believe this is at this time that, she, that Naya explains to, to Kylan about her brother because I don't think Naya never referred to what her purpose was. I think in you know why she was going to um you know to see to to Harar. Yeah, the whole reason why she's traveling to Harar is because the all all Madra sent a soldier to her clan to look for her brother, 
and he, you know, we we know that's Tabra, and then she accused him of treason, and then um, and then all of a sudden he went missing. So that made it worse. I mean, I'm I'm basically just reading <laughs> reading the chapter yeah. here. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know if he's a traitor or not. She's like basically sent out to you know figure this all out. Yeah, yeah. It was just something I just n- noticed. Yeah, like um, it was um, like as she read the loyalty in Kylan's face, she knew she could trust him, especially after the journey that I'd undertaken so far. And then yeah, she mm-hmm. mentions I don't know. The truth is, the old Madra sent a soldier to my clan looking for my brother because he had been accused of treason. Uh, by the Skeksis and yeah sort of you know a bit of exposition about um what what happened um yeah mm. w- um what she's being told about what what happened to her brother yeah so she I needs th- to go and see the Amaldra mm-hmm. I think her. it's a very poignant chapter because it's one of those things where she never even considered whether or not her brother could betray the Skeksis and in this chapter she actually hears words that came from him that came from him that sounded almost like tre- treasonous things to say. So I thought that was particularly interesting where she's when she's talking to Kyle and he asks her, you know, have you heard something? Did you hear something? Did you hear voices? And it's kind of a battle within herself to admit that maybe her brother might have been doubting the Skeksis, and maybe some of these words that the forest projected to her might have been true. I thought that was really interesting. Because yeah, and here, she, here it's kind of made clear, too, that it was mm, the, the cradle tree that was sending mm, out these visions and voices. But the question was whether or not the cradle tree actually heard them speaking the words, or if it was just kind of making these things up. Yeah, and she Kylan, has to kind of figure it out. Kylan says, "Well, maybe, maybe the words that because she had talked about how um, Irva had told her in riddles that the you know words don't need um, don't need speaking to be true." And then Kylan was like, "Well, maybe he meant words of the heart." Mm-hmm. And then she said, "Well, maybe they were spoken words from Gurgen's mouth, said somewhere in the wood." And the castle, yeah, the castle of the crystal lies within the dark wood, just as stone in the wood does. So, it could be that the that the woods itself heard him say these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I guess from from there on, they, um, I believe, yeah, they they arrive at the Black River. And here, J M. Uh, he actually explains why it's black. So now we know why the river is black. Mm-hmm. It's because the stone at the at the bottom of it is all black. Like a, he kind of the way he was describing it, it was almost like maybe it had like an iridescent sheen to it. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad it's not made out of tar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. The water is not actually black, but the the stones on the bottom of it are. Uh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that too. I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> I liked the little snippet about, um, you know, her eel swimming in the water and it was all clear and nice and um, good to drink, even though it looked bra- black from the distance because of the stones. I thought that was very nice. 
Nice touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just reading that little passage about yeah. So yeah, though the river appeared black from far away, up close she saw mm-hmm. that it was the hard black gravel and stone that lined this the riverbed and gave it its midnight color. Um, and then when the sunlight hit the bottom of the river, she could see thousands of diamond-shaped facets glittering with dark blues and purples. Well, and to let people know, the black the black river is the river that Jen and Kira and Fizgig travel in the movie. They travel down the river to go mm-hmm. to the Podling Village, from Kira's Swamp to the Podling Village. And so nice. that's the Black River, and they see the crystal bat, and she pulls out her bola whip and knocks it down. Mm-hmm. That's the Black River. So just mm-hmm. to connect that back to the movie, just in, paper, just in case the listeners didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's actually a good, um, yeah, um, good connection there, Bland, um, which is great. Um, and so mm-hmm. um, I'm just trying to think. They and then they encounter um, the the character t- sort of towards the end, a character who was on uh, land striders, and um, and and seated on the on on the land strider was uh, none other than Tavra. Uh, who Tavra's uh, back? Tavra's <laughs> back. Yeah. So the last yeah. time, last time we did see her was very early on in the story when she was uh, taking Naya's father uh, back to Sog because of his um, injury uh, that occurred mm. between him and the um, the big Nibri kind of monster mode that yeah. uh, was dar- darkened. Um, I guess. And yeah. her her wing was injured as well. So yes, yeah. I'd imagine she had to rest up a little teeny tiny amount of time before she could catch up. Yep. But Naya's mom probably healed that. Probably, yeah. But I mean, I saw that was interesting too. That um, she was yeah, it's still healing. Fight. Yeah. Naya was actually the only one who wasn't injured in that fight. No, no. I mean, I guess I mean at that time she was um, mm-hmm. trying to dream faster. With the uh, with the Nebri mm-hmm. and yeah, um, yeah, that sort of I think that sort of calmed the Nebri down. Um, yeah, and so um, I guess we'll we'll get into chapter nineteen. So yeah, we so Tavra's back. Tavra's really glad that um, that Naya is safe. She says she says thank Augra you're safe. Yeah, <laughs> thank Augra. Yeah. yeah, and I think yeah. And then they introduce um, uh, Kylan to Tavra. And I mean, the overall sort of thing in this chapter is um, T- Tavra orders Naya to to go back home, and and mentions that Gurjin is um, is captive, but you know Naya or they don't know um, you know where Gurjin is being captive, um, and mm. so Naya you know, declines you know to to go back home. She wants to sort of finish the job of, you know, finding her brother, going to Hurrah, and um, Anayad sort of tells, yeah, um, Tavra about the tree with the voices, and Tavra, you know, eventually sort of, you know, really tries to force her to go back home, that it's over essentially, which, I mean, this mm-hmm. is something that we do find out why that was the case, why um, Tavra really wanted her you know, just go away, go, go back home. Um, we're definitely going to mm-hmm. find out later in the story why um, that was the case. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, yeah, just a, a moment between them, them two. And then when Tavra leaves, um, cause uh, yeah, she basically leaves to go t- back to the, 
castle of uh, the crystal, but then Naya decides to go to the castle of the crystal um, as well without without Tavra's knowledge. I guess presuming that well, you know, if they're going to find the answers of where Gurgen's captive, then I guess they believe that going to the castle of crystal and meeting up with the Skeksis that they might have a better idea about it. So, because I was just yeah, because I did write a question. Do if I do you think that Naya believes that it is the the location where he's where he is held captive, or just needing to find answers directly with with the Skeksis? I don't think she's quite sure at this particular point. No, she yeah. she knows that the answer lies in the crystal, the well, the castle, of the crystal. But she's not sure. She knows that she has to go there to find out if he really was a traitor, or if um, all these things were fabricated, or if it it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah. And I think she's kind of resentful of the fact that Tavra pretty much says, "Okay, well, I'm going to take over from here, and you can just pretty much, you know, um, go back to your home now because that's where." Everyone's trying to get you back to Sog, so mm. go back and I'll take care of it. And Naya, being that it's also her twin brother, yes, yeah, right, yeah, is very um, adamant that she needs to go to the castle, even against Kylan's uh, uh, advice about this. So well, she she knows Tavra's going to the castle, and that's where she's mm-hmm. going to go because she wants to find out what is going on with her brother. Exactly. It seems like from the start of this that Tavra, one of the reasons at the beginning of this book I didn't really like Tavra was because of the fact it was like everything that Naya wanted to do on her own, mm. Tavra wanted to stop her. So yeah. it's one of those things that you find out later why that is, but it's one of those things that makes Tavra a little bit more unlikable because Naya wants to find out what happened to her brother. And she's not going to stop at this point. No, I mean, they've I, gone this far and then finally they're almost within reach and she's like, okay, go home. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I she, think this is really interesting. It's mm-hmm. uh, the push against authority. So here you have the, well, you have to make this choice. Are you going to defy, you know, the authority that uh, supposedly holds you in sway for all your life? Or are you going to go forward and do what you believe is right? So this is a very critical point in the story where Naya says, no, I'm not going to do the safe thing and do like I'm told. I believe mm-hmm. I have to find my brother and nothing's mm-hmm. going to stop me. So this is the determination of the hero to push forward for you know their own uh, satisfaction, their need to do this. Yeah, and... Um... And so after all that, I mean, there was a bit of an argument between Naya and Kylan of, you know, again, sort of thing that she wants to go to the Castle of Crystal and uh, Kylan sort of a bit hesitant about it. And, um, and, and then I guess from there forth, you know, out of that, I think he sort of leaves and and uh, Naya continues her, um, her journey um, alone. Um, to go to the Castle of the Crystal all by herself. I actually felt sorry for Kylan in this particular part because she really um, said something 
kind of cruel to him to keep going. She basically, he says, you know, I'm surprised you can let go of Bola. I'm surprised you can even let go of Bola long enough to throw it, is pretty much what he says. And she says, says the one who couldn't hit a target if his life defended, depended on it. I let go of how I felt about you spriting back in the Sammy thicket, you know. You could travel with me. And look how that's working out. And it's one of those things where it's like, she said about the cruelest thing she could say to him to keep going, which is very strong and powerful of her, but I just felt so bad for Kylan. I think she's... One of the things about this uh, book that interests me is the fact that when she started off, she thought of him almost like a burden, like a, um, you know, like something just following her because she was the more powerful one. And it's like she just kind of threw that back in his face in this passage. And I thought that was interesting. But, um, I think he does make up for it later, but it's one of those things that I thought was um, interesting, particularly about this passage, because then she's looking for him in the next passage to see if he's still following, and he's not. <laughs> and I can't really blame him for that. It makes her seem more powerful, and it kind of um, emphasizes his weakness, which I think later in the chapters becomes more powerful. It's almost like a foreshadowing, but um, that's just my opinion of it. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting to see her make that decision, you know, to continue on alone. Mm-hmm. So it actually makes it more powerful in my eyes. The fact that she's like, no, I'm going to do this, and you know, this is the way I feel about it, and you do what you want. Yeah, it makes her more powerful and makes him seem a little bit weaker. Yep. And I like the fact later it's going to kind of come around full circle, which is pretty cool to me because he seemed kind of weak throughout most of this. There were even sections, I can't remember the particular chapter, where she basically was saying she didn't even know why he was... It was like one of those things where she was thinking she should just tell him to go back to his village. (laughs) she was afraid he would kind of slow her down. And at this point, this is when she's striking out on her own and saying, you know, I don't need anyone else to help me. But, um, I feel like it's almost like she's bitten off more than she can chew. Yeah, well, that's the determination, too. mm -hmm. That's her simply putting her head down and saying, you know, no matter what, I'm pushing through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's true. She's very, um, one thing I like about that character is she's very determined. You know, she's going to find out what happened to her brother, and because they're twins, it seems like they're almost two halves of the, of the same person, which is something the Skeksis even say to them later. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I'm not going to give up on uh, my brother. I've heard some things in this Paris Teeter that it sounds like he's a traitor, but there has to be a reason that I'm going to go to the castle because that's the place where it seems all of this is or or you know is the origin. So, alrighty, so we're we're up to chapter twenty, and um, mm-hmm. 
I'm just, uh, as she continues her journey, um, to head towards the, the castle of the crystal and, um, well, there's also another connection to the movie. Um, Kylan says that Jara Jen once made a boat from half a shell of a giant scorpus. And the boat that Jen and Kira are riding in in the film is is a it's supposed to be a giant shell. They I think they describe mm-hmm. it as a giant beetle shell, but Yeah. It, yeah. It kind of be like the half shell of a giant scorpus. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that could very well mm-hmm. be the case, yeah. Naya, she encounters a Nebri and decides to, you know, to dream fast with it. Um, mm. Mainly, ma- mainly just to see if, you know, to get some directions, um, if it was going to be useful to, you know, get directions. And though it mm-hmm. was no good, unfortunately. We we now know that Nebri oh. mothers chew up um, grasses and then, like, spit it back up for the baby's seat. Mm-hmm. Well... I thought that was pretty cool because there's a contrast between the one that was corrupted and the one that actually isn't. It's one of those things uh, where yeah. she's, she gets the contrast of how things really should be as opposed to what they are right now. And um, it's one of those things, it seemed almost out of place, but at the same time it kind of makes sense because she's headed towards the castle. Well, she knows her brother is being kept and she doesn't know exactly why. And it gives her almost a moment where she's back into the thing the way the things the things should be, as opposed to how things are. Well things and, things are still okay in parts. It's yeah. just there's a sickness. So this is reassuring that she's yeah. not too late. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It gives her hope for the moment. It makes her hope, feel exactly. yeah. Grounded again Like okay this is how things are supposed to be Maybe even my brother's okay This Nebri is okay This is how Nebris are supposed to act I think it was sort of a foreshadowing But at the same time It's 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 a good contrast For when she actually reaches the castle Yeah And and so, I mean, when she continues continues on with the journey, and and she trips on a on a tree root, and and so, you know, she she realizes that it was part believing to be connected to the cradle tree, and so yeah, she placed her hands upon the root and reached out and dream fast, yeah, and and she's sort of you know seeing if she can get some answers to her questions, I guess, with, um, you know, wanting to seek the castle of the crystal. Can you show me the way? And so she saw what the tree saw and, and it's sort of, sort of describing sort of, yeah, you know, the directions to go. And so, yeah, when the dream fast ended, the darkness of the night felt blinding in comparison and she closed her eyes and remembered the way, hoping the vision would stay fast in her memory as long as she needed it to, to guide her. And of course, sends her thanks to the cradle tree. So no, no, which is cool that the tree was able, you know, it's been corrupted, I guess, in, in a way with the tree, but it's able to assist her on a, on a journey in that, in that way. So, um, and so, yeah. And again, I guess, you know, at the end of the chapter, you know, uh, continues on and then it starts to, uh, get a bit stormy. Um, mm. well, it's been stormy. <laughs> it's been storming for a while now. 
I mean, she she started out in the on her own, and then it started to rain, and then she fell, and yeah, she was she was she was imagining how great the, and warm the castle would be with all its food and glory, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the second storm front. So yeah, yeah, you're right. Like so, yeah, this is, yeah, this is the second sort of storm. Um, yeah. Well, and, she, yeah. and at the end of the chapter, she kind of she hears something, and she's like, you know, something's mm. going on. Something, something's here. There's some kind of and she and she actually thinks, you know, is it Erva? Like, what's going? Because mm. because she says it sounds familiar or it seems familiar. I like that too. I kind of like how he, yeah, I kind of like how JM adds these little moments where it's like she's, it's kind of like how the creatures of Thra are are so connected. Like she has this ability to dream fast with other animals and the, the trees and, you know, the roots connected to the cradle tree and all that. But, um, it's like she also has this bigger connection. Like she can tell that there's a familiarity with this presence that's coming up on her. Yeah, and so in chapter twenty-one is sort of when when she starts to hear hear something, you know, a snarl perhaps or just thunder. Then a warm draft of air brushed off the skin of her cheeks and then was gone. Then came again. Yeah, it seems like something isn't right. Yeah, the scent of it was somehow familiar yet wrong, but she didn't have time to puzzle over it. You know, she's clenching her fist and pushed away the idea, you know, of the hunter. Um, but then, mm. you know. Well, she could kind hunt, of feel yeah. the breath of this thing. Yeah, because then, you know, Naya shuddered in fear when, you know, in a low hissing voice it spoke, Gelfling, yes, closer. Um, that is sort of like. Yeah. 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 He's definitely very, very nearby. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's here's the first time that she actually starts going into um, Kylan's song about the hunter. So she has these little moments where she's like, but the cold wind died still and he heard in the dim monstrous breath heavy through, through sorry, pointy through pointed tooth, tooth grin. grin. Yeah. And then now the hunter waits behind him. So, yeah, the, the song sort of... Um, was imprinted on her mind at the time. Um, well, and she also yeah. dream fasted with him, so she's got that memory. Yes, yeah. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. She knows what the hunter looks like when when um, he saw it. Yes, yeah. And I think I... Uh, JM's description does such credit to the story that I didn't hear the hunter's first words in the tones of the Chamberlain. So, mm. no. <laughs> no, I mean, I heard the low hissing Skeksis voice instead of Gelfling. Yeah, yeah, it's closer. Yeah, it's more of that Gelfling. Exactly. Yes. Not as scary. Um, again, that, you know, it's one of those things where I, you know, I, I probably rant about this now and then, but I still would love an audiobook um, of, of Shadows of the Dark Crystal. Um, yeah, just just would be very interesting to hear, you know, these characters and what they would sound like, and um, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a particularly interesting um, sudden change from when she's basically, you know, dream fasting with the Nebri, which is a natural creature, 
with something suddenly so terrifying and so unnatural that it kind of is almost jarring in this chapter. So do you think this is like a power that he has? Like he he somehow has her mesmerized or hypnotized in a way? Or do you think she's just paralyzed with fear? Because he's kind of bold and like coming out and being like, Gelfling, yes, closer, you know. It's... It might be a bit of both. Because if you remember in the movie when, um, when, you know, Kira is actually talking to, or actually, no, it's, um, I'm sorry, it's Jin that's talking to the Chamberlain. In the Gelfling ruins? Yeah, he kind of dazes, he almost dazes out. And Kira grabs him and is like, no, stop, don't listen to him. And for a moment there, it almost looked like he was listening to the Chamberlain, actually considering what he was saying in almost, almost metaphysical type of way. I get the feeling that it's sort of the same with the hunter, where it's like he's talking to her in a way that almost mesmerizes her like a bird, like to a snake. It's one of those things where he's like, yes, closer, closer, and she's kind of buying into it. She's not meaning to, but on a different level, it's like, it's almost it's, like she's It speaks scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It speaks gifling. It's saying it in a very calm, sort of assertive voice, and she's listening to it. It almost seems like a um, mesmerizing type of effect until she just snaps out of it and is like, oh, oh no, <laughs> I'm going to get eaten pretty much. But um, that's kind of what I got from it. It reminded me of that scene in the movie. Well, and then it like slowly reveals this bone mask, mm-hmm. and we know that it's the hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, it is revealed. Um, yeah, that that he is the hunter, and so from there, I mean, Naya, you know, pulls a pulled a bowler from her belt and and swung it. Well, she also figures out what the smell is on its breath, and she now mm-hmm. knows that it's Gelfling. She's yeah. She's, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, so Nanea got the, the bowler out and, um, and I think it sort of hits him on the monster's head. It landed with a crack against the grotesque, uh, bone mask. That's sort of when, um, the hunter sort of disappears, sort of runs away, you know, to escalate to wild screams. And yeah, without another word, the hunter slithered backward, enveloped again into the night from whence it had come. And then, and of course, she discovers stones on the ground um, that actually help her continue her journey to get out of the dark woods. And of course, uh, arriving at the castle of the crystal. So, well, so here the 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 dark wood, the castle is in the dark wood. So we know that by the time of the film, the land has decayed so much that there is no dark wood surrounding the castle anymore. Mm. And I'd have to watch the film again. I don't remember seeing those stone slabs. Yeah. No, yeah. It's. Or a In the actual movie, it's a little more disjointed. I mean, it goes scene by scene, so it's hard to say how far away the stone slabs are from the actual castle itself. You get the feeling that 
since it sounds like this um, taint from the crystal has basically spread outward from these crystal veins, probably everything around the castle is dead, but most of the things a little further from that are changing, but not necessarily dead yet. I get the feeling since in the movie you don't see hardly any, you know, woodlands or anything like that at all in that scene. It's probably because the crystal itself has become so tainted to anything that's within proximity of the Castle of Crystal is probably already dead. So it's slowly moving out. And um, that's one of the things I think is kind of poignant about it. In this, she manages to save this tree, which is integral to the wood itself being alive. But since the crystal veins stretch throughout the earth and basically permeate through the body of Thra, eventually all of this is going to die. And um, it's one of those things where she's slowed the process, kind of, but in the movie, I think it's a lot further out to the point that it's everything is already almost already dead. That's just the impression I get because when you see the movie, it's so desolate and there's all these storms. And that was another thing I thought was interesting was the lightning storm. They didn't mention any of the lightning being purple or anything of that effect, but I noticed in the movie that seemed to be the thing where it's like almost like the atmosphere itself has been tainted by the crystal. So it might even be that this lightning storm is almost unnatural and how bad it is and how much she almost wants to go into the crystal castle just to get away from the lightning and away from the storm. Yeah, that's it's interesting that you put it that way, Nancy, because she's being forced by Thra to enter the castle, which mm-hmm. is where things need to be fixed. True. And I guess um, we'll we'll go into chapter twenty-two. So, in this chapter, you know, Naya has finally arrived at the castle of the crystal, and and she does actually see uh, Tavra. Um, uh, sort of at the entrance. And of course, you know, this becomes a big concern for Tavra. She's like, no, and Thra's name, what have you done? Um, <laughs> which I guess we, we are going to know what, why that, that will be the case. And I know, I think they were about to dream fast. So yeah, because Tavra was going to tell Naya the truth, but then Naya sort of rejects it saying, you know, I want to hear it from Gurjan myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're coming, you, you need to go now. And then so Skeksil arrives, the, the, the Chamberlain. Yeah, it's like every time Tavra wants to dream fast with her to tell her the, what's going on, they, they get interrupted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, Tavra, you know, you know, they see this Skeksil, the Lord Chamberlain, Chamberlain Lord, and um, and she covers up, you know, who Mayor is because um, I guess, you know, that they sort of, know about her at this point um and so he you know Tavra sort of covers up that saying that this is Nadia um her uh, retainer and then and I think in this chapter is when they um we find out that her uh, what her uh, real name is 
uh, is uh, Katavra. Well, I guess that's her full name, uh, Katavra. So in this, you know, um, the daughter of May Mayrin, who's the Almadra. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's the daughter of the Almadra, not just Al-Madra. a soldier. No, no. Yeah. So uh, a big, big role uh, indeed, and um, and so and I think it also establishes now in this uh, timeline. I think in this chapter that there are sixteen Skeksis. Um, yeah, that, that exists. 16, which means, okay, so after the crack, after the split, yeah. we know that, you know, one of, a set got killed. Yes, yeah. And so here we are at, you know, Shadows of the Dark Crystal. Now we know that there's 16, so somewhere another one has passed. And so a set, you know, got killed right off the bat yeah, so- after the split. Yeah, yeah. So then there were 16. 17. So then now there's 16. So we know that before Shadows of the Dark Crystal, a, a set died somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Will we ever know? Yeah. <laughs> what? Will we yes. ever know who that other set is that's already passed? I yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. There are so many dangerous things in Thrall that have no knows. That's one thing I like about it is it's a living planet, and in order to live, something else usually gets eaten. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if maybe it, whatever this set was, maybe it was because of the way that, like, before they found out that they could drink this essence from other creatures, if maybe somehow one of the Skeksis ended up getting really decrepit or something because its life force was draining too much or something. And that's kind of how they kind of discovered that they could start drinking all this essence. It, it could be. I also like the idea that maybe um, one of the Ura just basically Uru, sorry, went out and um, possibly got itself into some trouble. Because if you remember, the one that she actually made contact with was trying to bring that tree back from the brink when it got trapped. Right. So it's one of those things that I get the feeling it goes the other way around, too, that if one of the Uru dies, one of the Skeksis will die, too. So it's hard to say whether or not an Uru got itself in trouble or if one of the Skeksis in the castle ended up... Um, just dying of old age or something like that, which made the others start to look into the, um, the essence. Yeah. The essence. Exactly. It's hard to say. Or maybe Skexo got really pissed off at him. That could be too. Cause he almost killed one in, um, the creation myths. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But in that particular scene, I really thought he had died because the way that they framed it. And I thought that was interesting because it's like, trial by stone and things of that nature actually creating a different type of trial that others wouldn't die off it could even be that they accidentally killed one of their kind and they realized wait if we keep killing each other because we're angry or because we're vying for power we won't be around anymore (laughs) before we even know it so let's go with the different types of trials (laughs) Well, we do know that the crystal gives them life 
um, in their daily ceremony when the sun passes over and they, you know, get the beam of light into their eyes, it kind of restored. Yeah. It cheats death. It kind of restores their life again. Well, maybe that, maybe that was the start of the reflector was to concentrate the light into themselves so that they could mm. get more life. And then they did that to one of them. And instead of giving it life, it drained the essence from him. And maybe that's how he died. And then they were like, oh, well, we can just pull life force from all these other creatures. That could be, too. I thought at uh, the beginning, like when they were first split, uh, one of the Skeksis attacked Nuru and they both died. Right. And I thought that's that mm-hmm. was why they suddenly realized, oh, we should, you know, not do this thing. That could be, too, because they clearly do know the connection. <clears throat> Because they keep talking about, um, you know, one from two and things of that nature. So they know that the Uru are connected to them at this point. Yeah. That's the whole point of Naya being there. But that's a little bit later where they start talking about that. Well, so at this point, we know that Chamberlain recognizes her. Like, oh, yeah, it's... You know, Vapra from Harar. Oh, yes, come on. Let's. We've got a feast going on. Let's go. So here we have another Skeksis banquet. Mm. Which are always fun. Yeah, they're <laughs> good fun scenes, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they, they sort of want to find out about with the search for the traders. Apparently, yeah, that you know, they're pretty much saying that, yeah, they're still out there um, to continue to continue their search for the traders, which, of course, we know that they are lying, <laughs> um, which we find out. Um, well, I like how I like how none of them none of them kind of look up when when Chamberlain comes in and he's got <laughs> these two gelflings that are just eating away. They're like, who cares? And he's like, this is the Silverling. And and he, you know, he reg- he knows that she's from Sog. Yeah, the Sogaling, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and um, and he's like, this is the daughter of the Silverling. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, why why is she here? Well, you know, what do you mean? And then all of a sudden... Why now? <laughs> all of a sudden we get a shut up. And here's where, okay, Skexo... <laughs> yeah. Skexo is like, all right now. <laughs> they yeah. all go quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so towards the end, um, Naya then goes to, um, goes to set up, uh, to set up a, a chamber room for Tavra. Well, she also sees that one Skeksy, there's that one Skeksy down at the end that she kind of looks familiar to her. Ah, yes. With the, uh, she has this... the hunter kind of character. Mm. Probably. Yeah. Um, well, she doesn't know it's the hunter yet. No, but no. She, there's something about his eyes and how he's just like off, yeah. kind of, yeah, in shadow. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, they um, show the sogling to the old Madras guest chambers. Yeah, so Anaya then goes to the chambers to set up, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we can go to uh, chapter. Uh, twenty three, which yeah, she she goes to a room taken by a guard, 
And yeah, no, I mean, and then she starts, you know, exploring around uh, to look around the castle. Well, she wants to find her brother. She's like, you know, Ta- mm-hmm. Tavra can stay or Katabra now can stay and talk to the Skeksis. I'm going to go find my brother. Yeah. Yeah. But, so. but, but the guard that took her to the room was just like stone cold. And then, yeah. like, as he left, she saw his eyes were all cloudy. And she's like, something's going on here. And and they talk about how um, Gurgen always told her about how bustling the castle was. And mm. there were all kinds of guards everywhere. Yeah. Well, now it's just all sparse and mm-hmm. hardly anything going on. I thought that was particularly interesting because apparently when the Gelflings are drained, they still serve a purpose as guards. Because I guess, you know, they don't really need to um, instruct them much, except for if, you know, they say, quick guard, you know, stop that person or kill that person, they probably would do it. But at the same time, I think most of the guards there have been drained already. So they're about as much slaves as the podlings are. Or at least that's the impression I got, because she thought it was really weird that it's like, no guard ever, you know, no Gelfling ever has, lacks anything to say. And it was one of those things where she had asked him a question. And he just pretty much said, stay there. And that's all he said. Like he was some sort of, you know, it's sort of like a zombie kind of effect where they're just, they're deprived of their soul. And all they do is what the Skeksis tell them to do specifically, which I thought was interesting. Interesting too. Yeah, and I guess I mean she sees another example of this, you know, sort of um, the essence drained or what what not. When um, when uh, I think she she smells food and sort of follows it, and then she thought mm-hmm. that cook cement gelfling uh, gelfling attendants. She hoped um, someone who might point her towards whether her brother was being held captive, and of course, mm-hmm. I mean then out came. Um, there weren't gelflings, but a small group of podlings um, dressed in burlap, burlap shifts. Um, and yeah, just noticed about, um, yeah, having a very, yeah, you know, the, the cloudy eyes, their eyes were milky. Mm. Um, so it's like something isn't, isn't right. Uh, what was, you know, what's going on here? One even had drool coming out of its mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I mean, of course, she you know still looking around, and um, and then she ends up at the crystal chamber, sees the site of um, you know what is I guess the the crystal of truth, uh, which is no longer the case. Um, you know, this was not the white pure heart of Thra told of in song, and it was a song. Of, it was the color of the crystal veins, um the shade of a heart already darkened. So this is where, yeah, she, you know, realizes that, yeah, that the crystal is the source and, um, yeah, it, it's the source of the purple veins, not the other way around. She thought everything was going towards the castle, but now she knows that it's all radiating out. Mm. And they, they explain that there's these gates that are locked to block, like no one's allowed in the crystal chamber except for the Skeksis once a day for their, for their, ceremony and that's it so she climbs over the gate and is now on this balcony looking down at the crystal Mm -hmm. 
which was would, that that would have been this. I wonder if that was the same balcony that um you know that the Jen, you know, was like when you know when he jumped on top of the crystal at the end of the film, whether it was like that side or whether the other side where um Kira was, um, in the film. So, yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I like to think either. it's the same side just because that would be interesting. But um, hard to say exactly because it's vague enough. You know exactly where she is, that she's on that balcony, but you don't know exactly what side. But she can see the wound in the crystal. So right. she has to be pretty close if she's not there exactly. And she so well, and she knows she now knows that the crystal is cracked, that there's a piece missing from it, and that's why it's the the heart of Thra is broken. Mm-hmm. But here we also see this this new kind of ability that the crystal has that we haven't seen before. He describes it as turning and showing her images, and then she can also hear. So is it because it's within the castle, or is it because well, there's a crystal bat there? Have the crystal bats been established by now? Uh, I mean, pretty much we, most, yeah. Sorry, pretty much Jin, most of Skeksis, Skeksis technology has been developed by now. Now, so, hey, hang on yeah. though. When in the movie, when Jin sees it, doesn't he see an image of a Skeksis actually cracking it? Well, that's when he looks into the shard. And the shard shows him that image. It just makes me think it's the same sort of thing. Where she's actually looking at the crystal and it shows her images. It makes me think of that scene in the movie where he sees the shard showing where it got cracked. So It's almost like it's part of the crystal. It's able to show her things that... So is this oh, something well, that any like anybody can stare into the crystal and see these images? Or is this something that the crystal is doing... To show her. Like, is the that, crystal sentient enough to be like, okay, I'm going to show you this? I think Naya plays a great part. Like, do you think this the, is something Naya has the ability to do, or do you think this is something the crystal is actually doing? I think this is something the crystal is doing. To actually get to the point where um, it can be healed, it's almost like Naya has a certain role to play in Destiny that all these things are interconnected. And even though it doesn't show her that it's been broken, she picks up on that fact and she's asking it certain things throughout the chapter and it actually shows her. So it makes me think that that's an ability the crystal has because all things in this universe are interconnected. That's the impression I got, at least. Well, it could also be that the crystal knows that she has this ability to be able to tap into, you know, dream fast with other creatures and things. So maybe the crystal does have the power, but it's a special power that is shared with her because of her ability. Mm. Maybe. And we we don't get a chance to see inside the crystal's mind. I mean, it's... <laughs> About as alien as it gets. <laughs> but actually, isn't the crystal as terrestrial as it gets? Yes. Is uh, that the term that I'm trying to find? <laughs> <laughs> isn't it the other way around? Like, it's not <laughs> alien at all. It's the heart of Thra. I mean. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, you, you can't know the mind of a planet. It's, right, right, right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the point I'm making is that she... Uh, 
she can get generalities out of it, but it's not going to go, hey, glad you're here, Naya. I want you right, to Right, right. Yeah. Mm. But I just thought it was neat that it was like, it shows her these images, but she's also able to hear it all. Like whether mm-hmm. whether she hears it in her head or hears it out out loud, it's the I I, I didn't think that a crystal bat could transmit sound. No, but, and yeah, yeah. Well, according to the website, it didn't sound like the crystal bats were created at this point anyway. Um. They haven't actually been bred to the point that they can uh, carry crystal during daylight, out in daylight, um, at this particular juncture. Right. Or at least that's what I gathered from the website. And and so I guess after all, all that, I mean, she hears a confrontation between Tavra and the Skeksis. Well, she she confronts them. She confronts them as like you know I know that you all are are traitors yourselves and. You know, we we think that you have Gurgen and Rian here. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because she says, "I came to find the truth." If you vow to me that there's nothing of concern, that the that the crystal is in fact intact and well, and the rumors that you were responsible for the, for the vanishing pod people and the two missing guards are nothing but lies, then I suppose I will report nothing of concern to my lady mother. Yeah, like you know, she's like you know, tell me the truth, tell me the truth. And then, yeah, then eventually uh, she, you know, they say that, you know, I'm very, very sorry, Sylvie. I'm afraid you are correct. Um, and she's like, you know, where are they? And it's like, oh, you know, you can see for yourself. And, yeah, they're going to take her to, um, yeah, to the Chamber of Life, um, which I guess, you know, presumably, of course, to, to potentially get her essence drained. Um, and then at this point, yeah, I I was just going to say, this is the only part of the book where I kind of went, oh, because, you know, she's a trained soldier and apparently Gelfling soldiers are not quite up to snuff Mm. because she let herself be disarmed when she was expecting something from them. So, I mean, you could argue, argue either way, you know, it caught her just enough by surprise, but I mean, really, (laughs) She went there to well, confront them, and she gets disarmed, you know, by the Chamberlain, who is really not that great a Skeksis warrior. I think that's kind of to show the difference in terms of their strength, because she was one of the top soldiers of the Almadra, and she's just tossed around like a doll. It's oh, one I of get those, that, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, these things are, it's, it's, I want to say it's a contrast to just show how beyond the Gelfling the Skeksis are. I totally agree, Nancy. I'm just, uh, I'm, I wanted her to just, you know, hold them all at bay with her sword and then yeah. somebody grabs her from behind, you know, but just to be mm-hmm. like casually disarmed is just so horrifying, you know, that these creatures are in charge of the crystal and it totally has the right effect. But, you know, as somebody who, you know, wants to see a soldier do their duty, it's just kind of like, oh. Yeah, it's it's humiliating for her. That's it, yes. It's more, it's one of those things where it's like, she should be able to do something, but she's so powerless because there's so much more powerful than she is. In some ways, I think it's almost foreshadowing because it's like, 
she's trying her best to stand up to them and to basically confront them about all the horrible things they've done. And to them, it's just hilarious that she's trying. Yeah, they're children to the Skaxis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is no way to treat a child. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I mean, you know, Naya, you know, she realizes that Tavra, yeah, that Tavra had known and that, um, yeah, she known even before they had entered, you know, to try and save Naya. Um, so this is a moment where, you know, of course, Tavra's been trying to tell her to go back home and this is pretty much a big reason why because um, she didn't want Naya to be be at the castle of the crystal at all or anywhere near it because um you know they they wanted her um and um well they're taking her to the chamber of life yes so yeah. we know that they're gonna drain her yes yeah and and i like how um Nea like cries out no and then it says well it the sound doesn't penetrate the crystal um but she can still hear their stomping feet even mm-hmm. even though she can't see him anymore, so. And so yeah, she asks the crystal for the location um, of her brother, and um, yeah, the the crystal I think um, gives gives her um, the vision um, sort of described as high in the turrets of the of the castle. Um, yeah, because she's yeah she pleads you know my brother show me where he is please I must save him, um, which had moaned with a go- ghostly song, um, turning once again so um yeah so without another moment's hesitation she dashed back into the maze of corridors searching for a way up then yeah i guess you know leads us to chapter 24 um as naya's you know going hurrying from you know hole to hole and and trying to um yeah find um her brother and um uh yeah and then you know, she finds a room and and then, yeah, she sees this, you know, inside this room right up the top of the castle, um, iron cages holding Gelfling lined every wall within the cell. So, yeah, which is sort of a bit of a shock, you know, to see so many Gelflings, um, you know, saw a palette of skin tones from the dark umber to the sprite into the pale. So, yeah, you know, of all different clans, um, all stuck in, in there. Um, and then that's when she, um, she hears a croaking voice calling out to Naya. And of course, um, uh, yeah, she realizes that, you know, his voice was muffled and weak, but it was definitely Gurgen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, this is, you know, she, um, you know, tries to, you know, get, get him out. Um, she, she course, uses I mean, his dagger yeah. to, Uses his yeah, dagger to, to pry her. it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. You know, saying you know we we have to leave and and of course I mean you know she, trying to to get him out and of course she, she sort of feels bad about all the other gelflings. Um, yeah. If if they you know to to get them mm-hmm. out, but Gurgen's sort of pretty much saying oh you know it's it's probably it's too late for them. So. I like. But of course you know. Yeah. I like the fact it was actually it it seemed like they had already caught a representative of most of the different types of clans too. So it's almost like what this is where they kind of threw the gelfling that um they were still working with and experimenting on in this chamber. 
or the ones that they just couldn't refashion into guards into guards because they just for whatever reason didn't work. I get maybe the they drained them too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get the feeling it's like Skektex basically almost like his failed experiments or coming back right. to these experiments type uh, chamber where he keeps the ones that either fail or the ones that he keeps wanting to work with in here. Because it had a lot of the different um, clans represented here. One in particular, the uh, Dalson with the um, different types of tattoos and things of that nature that they probably just wouldn't get that their hands on otherwise. Probably have only one or two, so he's already been draining them and trying to figure out what their essence would do for him type thing. Yeah, what the differences are yeah, with essences, yeah, between different different clans. I think I I think I speculated. I think it was like one episode, Bland. I think quite a while ago. I think I I had this theory about um you know if if he's trying to get all the you know all the essences from different clans and imagine what would happen if you know they com- all he combined all the essences in in one you know like a mega essence. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of my theories about Skexo's death. Like, maybe they collected all the essence and made one big cocktail, and somehow that yeah. had a reverse effect and killed him. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, so, yeah, one nice. Yeah. <laughs> I can see Skek basically doing that on Skexo. <laughs> Mm, hey, yeah. we have all these different essences. It'll make you younger and stronger and do all these other things. Why don't you yeah. try it? Yeah. See, see how well this works. Yeah, um, I'm too lonely <laughs> to try it myself. <laughs> but I still like, you know, the, the thought uh, yeah. that Ursu actually sacrificed himself in order to bring imbalance at just the right time. Mm. But I wonder how long yeah. he had to, like, what, did, did he just kind of stop eating? <laughs> did he just, like, was he <laughs> yeah, die, ment- yeah. mentally yeah. able to, like, slowly kill himself? And, like, how, how long was Skekso, like, not feeling well and kind of out of it? Like, wouldn't he have just been, like, downing bottle after bottle of bottling essence? Well, it could be that they don't really need it at this point, like they do during the events of the film. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, in in the events of the film, like, how long was Skexo, like, out of it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I always thought, like, with the film, like, you know, they say, you know, about you know, using the sun to cheat death, that that sort of became the new way, you know, because they wiped out all the gelflings that they needed to find another way. And then like, yeah. whether the sun sort of became, you know, oh, we'll, we'll just use this. But they're know. already, but they're already doing much, that at this but, point. Yeah. Aren't they already doing that at this point? That's why the chamber is always locked and they have their daily rich, their, their daily ritual that they do, their ceremony. Yeah, probably, yeah. No, no, it's just, yeah, some, yeah, things are, yeah. Well, I think in this particular series, um, they're a lot younger. And basically, even though they're getting old, the um, Gelfling Essence is keeping them sustained. Even the Podling Essence is helping. It's one of those things where um, 
actually, I think um, in the last movie, when it's down to just two Gelflings in the entire world of Thra, it's one of those things where they're at the brink of death at that point. They can't cheat it much longer, so they kind of have to sustain it from um, celestial bodies and things like that just to even keep functioning. Because at this point, one of the things that I noticed in this book was that the hunter was so strong that he actually could use all of his hands to try and stop Nea. It, it comes later as one of those things where in the movie, it's like those two hands on their backs are hardly even functioning anymore. Right, right. They're just almost, you, you wouldn't even notice them because like the robes themselves almost cover them up. So I think that um, that's an entirely different thing that they have to try after they wipe out the Gafflings. At this point, it's almost like they're experimenting just to see what kind of interesting effects they can get from the Gelflings and the fact that they can actually keep pressing on and keep getting new abilities from the Gelflings that they drain. And they consider it almost like an honor, like, well, you know, we're protecting you, so you have to give us something back. Yeah. <laughs> this know? is your, your Gelfling purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where they're just now realizing maybe their own mortality in a small amount, in a small way. So they're slowly starting to take steps, I think, to get to the point where they can sustain themselves. I think it's almost like reaching for their kind, almost like a middle age where they're like, well, we're not as young as we used to be. We need to think about the future. And that's what they're doing. That's what's Gex Tech is doing. Yeah. And, um, and just, yeah. Well, and even as, uh, as old as they are in the film, it's like, oh, today's the day of the Great Conjunction. I'm going to take this Gelfling to the Chamber of Life and Drainer. I've got time. No worries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what happens? He ends up dying. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't work out. Uh, <laughs> and so while, um, while Naya and that was trying to, um, yeah, so she tries to get, you know, her brother out and, um, but then Skekmal appears and finds, finds them two together. Yeah. Well, we also know that he's been, he's been drugged with Moonberry. So they've also been drugging him to kind of keep him mm-hmm. out of it. So he can't quite walk or support himself. He's kind of just, he's out of it. Sort yeah. of. <laughs> And here comes Skekmal. Yeah, yeah, yeah Skekmal, and then um, yeah, and then he um, reveals um, that uh, Tavra was in his uh cloak. Um, uh, you know, when they ask where, where Vapor is, it's like, oh, you know, there she is, you know, underneath, you know, under my cloak. <laughs> um, which I yeah. thought was, just, I don't know, I just yeah, I just thought that was a bit weird in, in that way. I thought you know he would just drag drag her or whatnot but um but i guess you know yeah well she she recognized that smell yeah, again the and she, that smell. blue yeah. that blue scent she's like it, it's gelfling essence mm. is what's on mm. his yes, breath yeah um yeah so we see that vape and yeah it's like it's like he's got this like magic like this i don't know it's <laughs> i know i'm exaggerating when i say mary poppins cloak but 
<laughs> like, he just like, I was like, okay, here's my mask. Ah, you know, I'm the hunter, yeah. and here's this gelfling. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, Naya no- notices the four arms on the Skeksis, and sort of, yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, and that's when she's like, oh, it's the yeah. hunter. Yeah, the four-armed hunter. Yes, yeah, yeah, just thinking, um, yeah, about the, the Urva with the four arms. And, um, of course, you know, he, the Skeksis, the Skakmal, he revealed, you know, he is pretty much revealed as the hunter now. Yeah. So he's like, you know, when when he points out, you know, you all are twins, one and mm-hmm. one, yeah, two but one. Which is why I think her brother is kept alive in the first place. Yeah, they basically have, yeah, already decided that they're going to wait until she shows up to drain him because they could combine the two and see if it brought back the other side of them that they've lost. Though I think the hunter has other ideas because the hunter himself is just so hell-bent on prey that it just seems like it's an obsession with him. He doesn't really care about what the other Skeksis want as much as what he wants at the time. At least that's the way I gathered it. Yeah, Skekma wants to cheat the Emperor and and take the essence for himself. He's like, "Mm, Mm. I've got y'all both right here, right now. (laughs) Yeah. Trying to kind of trick the scientist into going ahead and doing it and hoping him, he himself is going to be the one to reap the benefits, probably. And so, yeah, she, you know, she tells Naya that, um, you know, that it was a trap and, you know, she did, did her best to try and tell Naya to, to go away earlier. Um, so, yeah, she was very well aware about that, um, you know, says that she's sorry. And then, and then, yeah, she, you know, pretty much says, you know, warn the others. And, um, un- unfortunately, um, yeah, I mean, this is when we see the sort of the, de- the demise of, um, of Tavra, uh, when, um, Skekmal, uh, kills her by, by strangling, strangling her. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he grabs her by the neck and is like being all threatening. And it's like, you know, no one's going to warn anyone. And she says it again, more than the others. And so he's like, he tosses her like a rag yeah, doll. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, you know, yeah, it was a very sad moment to see, yeah, Tavra, because, um, you know, even though, you, yeah. Now, do we know that she's actually dead? Yeah, I wanted to make that point. She did not rise again. It didn't say that the light went out of her eyes or anything concrete. Yeah. It made it sound like she was dead, though, to me. Sound and is mm. two different things in writing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, writing, True. yeah. Different interpretations, they, yeah, yeah. They fooled me once in the creation myths with something like that, where they, uh-huh. like, I'm like, oh, that Skeksis is dead, and turned out it wasn't. Uh, but uh, oh, oh, okay, so I mean, let, let's let's have a vote here, or, or like our, our own little prediction. Do you think Tavra will be in in the second book, or is she, you know, she lives to survive, you know, potentially being in the second book? Um, yeah, I mean, I I really thought that she was, yeah, gone. <laughs> Um, but uh, um, I, I think she's. I thought in this book she's dead. If she makes a, an appearance in the second book at all, it'll be just as a husk, I think. Yeah. yeah I don't I about yourself, Peter. You, you believe. Mm. And you, you, you believe that she'll, she'll be, you know, that she's alive for, you know, potentially appearing again. 
I don't think so, but we'll see. No, no. Yeah. And what about yourself, Peter? I'm with Nancy on that. As I said, I'm, yeah. you know, if she's there at all, she's not going to be anybody who can help uh, Naya. Yeah. And, and what about yourself, um, Bland? What, what are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's possible she might be back, but I mean, she's lost. They drained, drained a lot of her. So it's, yeah. It, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the draining though. The fact that he shook her basically like a dog shakes its prey. Right. Her neck should, her neck should have snapped. It's one of those things where if she's alive, she's probably an invalid. If she's more likely, she's dead because she was just so lifeless. And when, you know, Georgian gets shaken up and everything, he gets up again. She didn't get back up, which makes me think she's dead. But it's hard it's hard to say because it could be a trick. It could be that she's going to come back in the second book, but I just seriously doubt it. Well, it's the one line where it says Tavra withstood the abuse in silence. So it's not, you know, agony or but anything it's stood. Then he did it a second time and she didn't get back up. I think. Like yeah, it shook, says that he right. dropped her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so shook her, dropped her. He held her by the neck and shook her like a beast worrying its prey, daring her to defy him again. Tever withstood the abuse in silence, only looking at Naya and with a stern and selfless clarity said the words again, though her voice was strangled by Skekmal's grip. Well, and the others, so... Then Skekmal dropped her, and she did not rise again. Stepping mm-hmm. over her with all his skirts and cloak, the hunter growled a refrain. No one warns anyone. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well, I guess we'll... I mean, he even he just steps over her. He's like, well... Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, I mean, then, you know, Nair and Gurgen are trying to figure out a way to, to escape. It, it does say... Satisfied with the disposal of Tavra, though, Skeffmall climbed to the stairs. So he's pretty satisfied she's dead. Or uh, no longer a threat. Maybe, but disposal to me tends to mean death. I'm just saying, that's what I interpreted from it. Well, and, you know, he may not have intended to kill her. He could just incapacitate her because he wants to drain her essence. Could be. We shall see, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it does seem to me like he's the one that's like most. It's like you know the essence is like cracked to him. He's like I gotta have oh, yeah. more. Yeah, and so um, I guess you know yeah Naz you know trying to work out how to get out, and um, so then she um she throws um the dagger and um sort of uh, you know out of the window as a distraction to. Uh, Skekmal, and then was able to sort of um, jump out of the castle with her brother in hand. And um... well, she didn't know what what was what was outside. She said it was, it was pitch black. She didn't know what was going on outside. So she, you know, she the Skekmal even points out, "Hey, you can't fight with the stone." 
while you're carrying a stone and, and talk, referring to Gurgen. And she's like, well, yeah, she, she if she let, she can't let go of her brother. And then if she lets go of the knife, then she doesn't have anything to fight with. So she throws the dagger out the window and listens and she hears a splash. So exactly. she knows she knows there's water out there. So she hightails it for the window and jumps out with her brother. Yeah, just yep. yeah, hoping to to land into the water. Yeah, as some as I think as it describes as some you know as like a cushion, um, essentially. So, and all of a sudden we have the moment. Dun, 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 dun. Yep, <laughs> love this. Yeah, mm-hmm. gliding. Yeah, so with the help of the wind, um, yeah, you know, glided her down with with her wings. Um, so which was something that um, very early on, I think in the story, um, she mentions that. They hadn't, they hadn't grew or they just weren't, um, they just weren't ready, um, to be used or with her wings, um, from, I think, yeah, like, uh, yeah, they're described as black and iridescent reflecting the light of the storm in vibrant blues Mm. and fuchsias. Yeah. 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 It's just like an iridescent black. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, um, so they get, they do get down and then, um, and then they, they'd say that, um, Kylan, uh, actually, you know, came to the castle of crystal, sort of changed his mind to come back to, mm-hmm. um, to get Naya back. Um, and then, yeah, she, and, and yeah, he sees him as, as he decided to head to the castle and suggests about, yeah, you know, running to the dark wood together. Um, and, and they're just trying to work out what to do. Um, I think Naya suggests going to the cradle tree, um, that might help them hide from Skekmal, who of course is, you know, going to be, you know, tracking them down or hunting them down. <laughs> I could say that, mm-hmm. um, cause he is the hunter. Yeah. Because I mean, Kylan says he left a landstride at the river, river, a shortcut. I hope if we can make it in time. And then in this moment, you know, Gurgen, he says, sorry, he's sort of a bit you know, hesitant if he could make it any longer. And, you know, he's like, Skekmal is relentless and a master of the dark wood. Unless he is stopped, he will find us. He will kill us. And she just says, what, what are you saying? And and then he says, you know, we, we don't have time. You know, we got to dream fast right now. Yeah, so they're Skekmal's on their toes. They're hiding in a tree stump. And, and it's like, okay, you got to dream fast with me. Yes, yeah, and um, yeah, to dream fast to sort of get all the details of what what really happened and um, um, of what went down in, in case if yeah if he um, if he can no longer continue with them um, as he was sort of struggling. All right, and that's probably going to wrap up um, our fourth part of the, the discussion of Shadows of the Dark Crystal uh, with the end of chapter twenty four. And uh, we will be back next time to to wrap up um, the Shadows of the Dark Crystal from chapter 25, 26, 27, and also um, have sort of our, our overall thoughts on the Shadows of the Dark Crystal. So definitely looking forward to that. So I just want to say thank you so much to you all to, um, for to p- participating in this roundtable, uh, to Bland, to Peter, and, and to Nancy. So I just want to say thank you all so much. And I guess, um, Nancy, I'll just start with yourself. Um, so for any listeners that want to, you know, find more about uh, your work, um, how can people find you? Um, you can find me on nancygray.net, which is my professional website, or um, 
or nancygray.blogspot.com, uh, which is my blog. And um, right now I'm writing the third book of my fantasy series, uh, the Blood Brain series, which is Blood God. So um, look forward to seeing that, hopefully by the end of July. Excellent. And and uh, and what about yourself, uh, Peter? How, how can people find you and find more about your work? Uh, they can just go to my Sci-Fi Trilogies website. I update it every month, and that's to be found at dwimsaga.com. D-W-I-I-M-Saga, S-A-G-A dot com. Excellent. Thank you so much. And of course, we'll, we'll put these uh, links on our show notes uh, for people that wanted to, 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 to look into that. So uh, thank you so much. And um, again, thank you so much, Bland. And, and I guess, you know, how, how can people find you? Um, well, you can find me. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, very active in the Dream Fasting um, Dark Crystal Experience group. Um, my Twitter is at Blandarella. And I guess that's about it. <laughs> all right. So that's all the time I have for this month's Trial by Stone. Special thanks to, to Bland peter and nancy for being on the show if you if you want to contact with us you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast or like us on twitter at darkcrystalpod if you like the show and you think that others would like it too then please write a review on the itunes i'd greatly appreciate that i hope you all enjoyed the show and come back next month for more trial by stone